welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host uh, here in Connecticut and here with my co-host, Rubina Chaudhry in Fullerton, California. How are you doing today, Rubina? I'm doing well, Phyllis. How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. Uh, we had, um, we had, it's a little chilly here today, it seems. What about where you are? Uh, it's not chilly, but it's a little overcast. Clouds are coming and going. But oh. uh, it's uh, pretty pleasant otherwise. Okay, well, interestingly enough, I um, should have been in California about this time, right? Yes, actually, last week you were supposed to be in California, yeah. and this week you were supposed to be also, Cor- remember? Yeah. Correct, yes, um, <sighs> because I was supposed to um, be taking this course Mm-hmm. Um, to be an administrator in residential care and assisted living facilities in California. And then you were to be attending a big celebration next Wednesday here while you were here, remember? Correct. Uh-huh. But because of our present uh, situation and restrictions with flying, um, the company that offers this program uh, decided to do it online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have spent the last three weeks, as you well know, <laughs> and, and many of my friends know because they have heard me talk about it. Um, I Well, actually, there were 20 hours before the online class. They, they recommended you complete the 20 hours before the 60-hour on, online class. That's 80, 80 hours. Right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, <laughs> share a little bit with our listeners what you've been through. Oh my uh, goodness gracious! This, this is the California course for residential care facility administrator, right? Right, and for assisted living. I mean, it, a residential care could be as small as uh, six. Right, or as big as whatever. And as big as whatever, as people, uh, listeners may know that a lot of um, assisted living communities may have, um, I don't know, several hundred people. Right. Uh, So you are now an experienced administrator. Congratulations. You have a new new star on your your resume. (laughs) Absolutely. And... um, Actually, because the um, they're not, uh, you're supposed to take a test. Obviously, you have to pass a test after sure. you take this course. But because uh, people aren't traveling uh, at the moment and they can't really have a test where they have people in a room assembled taking this test, they're going to be providing 90-day provisional licenses. So once I get my certification, my graduate certificate, I should say, which I should get tomorrow, and I apply for my certification, I will be a certified as an administrator for assisted living and small residential care homes in California, at least for 90 days until I take the test. I thought you took one test in the... I did. 
And there's another one? Yes. Well, this was uh, really a practice test that they administer at the end of the course, but now you have to take the the official test that's offered by the state of California. Um, But... um, and we, we're laughing when I say um, this was a grueling experience because it was two days a week for the last three weeks, and each day was 10 hours. Yes, yes. And I recall getting many <laughs> text messages and, <laughs> and, oh and, and walking you through. But, uh, you know, this was one of your goals, and I'm glad that you were able to achieve it. And uh, I also know that you have a lot more knowledge in this area, and I sincerely hope that this uh, this added some additional dimensions to your to your work life, to your experience, to your knowledge base. Absolutely. So why- Absolutely. I um as I work with families, and it doesn't matter really in terms of working with families or advising them on, on their care options and also providing them with valuable information so they can become more informed advocates, uh, the fact that I'm licensed, I'll am i be licensed in California doesn't really matter because it's, it's basically the same all over. There may be a few different regulations here or there, but basically the bulk of it is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, and I've told this to a few people that I know, uh, you included, that I really have a different level of respect for uh, especially nursing home administrators, the reason mm-hmm. being because they deal, they're, they're responsible for people who are, you know, much, much more impaired or much more sick. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was saying that um, if people go into this without any prior experience in the medical field or any health-related field, I can't really imagine how they would be able to do this considering the depth and the breadth of the information and the detail that you really need to know. You know, I just, I would think it would depend on the size of the facility. If the facility was smaller then one would have to know everything. But if the facility was larger, this administrator could really be just an administrator and then hiring specialists to do the to the work. However, uh, uh-huh. yes, because you and I have talked about this, a good manager has a great team and a right. good manager really just just leads the ship. However, if you think about a captain of a ship, they still have to know all the workings of the ship. Right. You have to know Uh, all the details because how would you be able to evaluate uh, the information that the person was bringing to you if you didn't know everything that was involved? Well, I think that there are different ways of learning what's involved. Uh, you know, and it's not necessarily only having been work in the worked in the environment. You could have exposure in other ways, uh, and I'm not. Uh, you know, trying to pick an no, argument. No, 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 it's a, it's a, a fruitful discussion. I mean, I think it's know, like valuable. I'm a, I'm, I own an engineering company and I manage an engineering company. I started an engineering company, but I'm not an engineer. That I know, right. So but I you're know extraordinary. enough. Huh? You're extraordinary, though. 
<laughs> Am I right? You're extraordinary. You know, there are many extraordinary people who can, I'm sure, can also run oh, I, uh, <laughs> run I'm residential right. care facilities. I, maybe I'm a little more sensitive to the issue because I am, I do come from the healthcare space and I am a clinician. And so um, I have actually worked in healthcare also. I worked in right, assisted have. living facility um, as well. Uh, yeah, but that's a good point that you're making, really, Phyllis, um, is that the knowledge of the industry is important to be able to deliver well. And uh, I think you also said that you have better understanding and appreciation for what an administrator goes through. What are some of the insights of that? Well, firstly, um, you know, the administrator not only has to know the rules and the regulations and the laws, um, but um, what are the ramifications or consequences of those not being fulfilled in the proper fashion. And the details are really extraordinary. You, you have to know about personnel and hiring and um, uh, the clearance requirements and reporting requirements. I mean, the details, uh, I, w- I was really struck by the details in, in every uh, single area. Um, you know, if something happens, you have to know how many days is, you know, you, it has to, how many days is, is, uh, allowed for th- certain things to be re- reported, whether mm-hmm. it's something to do with a residence, something to do with a, a, um, a staff member. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are just, it's just, it was just really incredible. And, and I felt I knew a lot of the information because I come from that space. Mm-hmm. And yet it was really um, overwhelming. And some of it is what um, seems like common sense. Uh-huh. Um, um, and then some of it you say, gee, why would it be important? Um, well, I know this from the skilled nursing facility space. I didn't see that in here. I don't remember seeing that uh, or, or learning that in this one. But, for instance, in skilled nursing facilities, if you go into a a kitchen storage area, if I remember correctly, a mm-hmm. box has to be, um, can't be less than 18 inches, I think it is, from the ceiling and has to be at least six inches from a f- the floor. And you could get a deficiency for that. Now, somebody would say, gee, is, is that such a big deal? Well, I don't know. There must be some reason for it because it doesn't seem like a big deal. But the reason I'm bringing it up is to say that Every little area is really looked at, and, and mm-hmm. there is a regulation behind it. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, in my way of thinking, that makes a good case that you need administrators. Correct. And you need good administrators, too. I, I um, Absolutely, 100%. And that's why I'm saying the, uh-huh. the knowledge that you need sure. um, in understanding all of these different areas, it's it's really extraordinary. Yes, yes. It, uh, I can't even begin to to imagine the extent I, of. So, what else did you learn? One was what, the the detail, the, the the rules and regulations, the laws, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the personnel requirements. Uh-huh. A lot of the uh, reporting requirements, as I said, and there are uh-huh. so many different ones, by the way. Uh, 
And uh, one of the things they mentioned uh, when you take this test is mm-hmm. anything with a number, mm-hmm. you should probably try and commit to memory because if it has a number, they're probably going to ask you about it. So whether it goes from the temperature of the water oh. or the temperature uh-huh. of a room uh-huh. or the number of uh, feet that uh, for a room or the number of furniture items that in a room <laughs> I, I'm telling you it was it was really extraordinary i will say one thing about this course it it was grueling uh, from my perspective i don't know how the other uh, members of the class felt about it for me it was very difficult these 10 hours uh-huh. you know two days in a row th- for three consecutive weeks But I give these uh, instructors an extraordinary amount of credit because to be able to talk for 10 hours and be as um, energetic and um, I don't want to say interesting, but, you know, as as um, excited, I should say, about, you know, imparting Mm -hmm. the information as you are at hour one, I think is is a skill in and of itself. Uh, Now, what was the class composition. You mentioned earlier that uh, you think it would be difficult for someone to to work in that space unless they had the experience. How many people were in your class and what, I, were, what were their backgrounds? I think there were 60 people in the class. Really? Yes. Hmm. Um, I, was, I was surprised. I don't know what I thought, really. I didn't uh-huh. go in with any predisposed uh, notion, uh-huh. but I was, I don't know why I thought it. I said, I didn't expect, I guess, it to be so large. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were several nurses. Um, and that's really, um, I think there was one person who was already a nursing home administrator and was now becoming licensed to be a um, um residential care assisted living facility uh, uh, administrator. And Mm -hmm. I think there were uh, some people who just work in the, uh, I think there was a social worker. I think there were a couple of CNAs. And then there were some people who just came to this because they had this feeling that they wanted to do something for the senior population and and Mm -hmm. wanted to have a small residential care home. You know somebody who has a residential care home, correct? Yeah, one of our Olive's board members has one. Right. I met her. Yes, you uh, met her. You've been on a panel with her. Correct. And so, um, you know, it's... um, Oh, I mean, I, I could. I don't really want to go on and on about no, it. No, no, that's okay. This is good information for for everybody know, to know the background of the people that are coming into this uh, this space. Yeah, and and I have to say that, um, you know, and then it goes into other things, medication and dementia. I mean, it gets very detailed. And uh, some people uh, in the class went into it because they have older loved ones, grandparents. Um, yeah. And um, feel a need to realize that there's such a great need for people to live in a way that's um, better than some of the care they're presently receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so we've talked about the, the people that attended. You talked about the, the need for administrators. So what uh, two or three things would stand out? Uh, other than being very tired and very long, uh, <laughs> you know, if you were to say three lessons learned, what would that be? 
Well, um, as we started out in the beginning, I think that one of the important lessons that I learned from this is really how how much you really need to know uh-huh. and um, how detailed it is in so many different areas. Um, that was that was really one thing that struck me. I had no idea the 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 breadth of of um, the detail. Right. And the breadth and depth, that was one thing. Um, I was pleasantly, uh, I was really pleased to see that they really did have one entire day devoted to dementia, which is such a, a big issue in our country and in our older population. Mm-hmm. So that was really something that uh, stood out to me. And um, I well, another thing that really stood out to me was that the, these particular instructors, and I don't know if all of them come from this same space, but they really um, they really embrace the idea of person centered care, and uh, okay. um, yeah, I that really was something that resonated with me because you and I have talked about it. I've written articles about it mm-hmm. um, about how important it is to understand the person. And to deliver person-centered care and to train your staff adequately to be empathetic. Um, That's something that really uh, came across and I was very pleased to hear because that's something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, That's wonderful, Phyllis. Um, I'm glad that you checked off one one thing on your list to do and now you have another qualification right and at this point we will take a break and we'll continue our conversation on the other side of the break on voices for elder care advocacy on voice america channel it's your world motivate change succeed VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID-19, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search for Senior Connections Matter. Connecting seniors through technology to make your donation. Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services.
You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm here, Phyllis, with Rubina. And uh, we were just talking about my experiences taking this course to be a certified administrator uh, in California for small residential care homes and assisted living. But uh, now we're going to go on to um, some other initiatives that we're uh, both embarking on. Mm-hmm. So, Rubina, you've touched on a little bit in some of our previous shows about uh, Olive's Live, Learn, Thrive program and how the the virus kind of uh, gave you an opportunity to take this online sure. and to expand your reach and uh-huh. uh, your, your the mask project. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Uh, yes, yes, Phyllis, it'll be my pleasure. Um, you know, with all the negative things that are happening in this uh, environment, in this day and age, I think uh, if we look harder, there will be some positives that will come out also. Mm, absolutely. And uh, and we have to look for them. Uh, we have to look for them. And one of the things that happened for Olive is that we were forced to go online. As you know, we had the Live, Learn, Thrive program running very nicely where seniors would come, they would do exercises, balance for one hour, I am Tai Chi for another hour. And then we would have two hours, lunch, speaker, socializing, and a very nice four-hour program. Now we can't do that. And another thing was we were having requests from community, other communities, you know, please help us start. Uh, and and what do we do next? And anyway, uh, so after COVID, we were forced to go online. And within a week, we were up and running on online programs. Thank God to the to the uh, to the uh, Zoom Zoom platform, and we have now instead of one day, we have three days programming. We have That's Tuesday. Terrific. Oh, it's it's amazing, you know. And our reach is global. I mean, we've had people so far attending from 50, 60 miles away to 30, 40 miles away. And in the last you know few weeks, we haven't been marketing the program so much as well because we were just getting stable in our right. uh, in our format and our delivery and and uh, and the content. Uh, but we are already seeing positive results and uh, and it's uh, it's really been beautiful. Each program is now one hour. It's uh, mid morning just before lunch from eleven to noon. And the first, the Tuesday program, we call it Fit and Fun. And our coordinator is Dr. Sophia Gunny, who you've met. She leads us. She's a sports trainer, PhD in pharmacy. So she leads us in about 20 minutes of exercise. And then we get to pick whatever topic we want health-related. 
whether it's exercise, whether it's, uh, you know, particular food, supplements, whatever, you know, because of her depth of knowledge. Right. You know, we, it's almost like you're getting a consultation every, every week on one topic or another. For example, we covered sugar one time, you know, right. what you learn about sugar. And, then, <laughs> and the Wednesday show is the, our, uh, original Live, Learn, Thrive, where, again, we have a, a meditation or an exercise and then uh, a speaker or a specialty topic. And that's where Zainab Husseini, our senior coordinator, she started another program within the program, Dear Oliver, where she paired up young students with the seniors. And uh, once a week, we write an email to each other. Uh, first, it was going to be, you know, write letters. Then we said, no, you know, with the mail and the bugs, right. you know. <laughs> so we said, okay, let's avoid the mail, you know. And seniors may not even go to their mailbox to pick up the mail, right? True. Uh, so, so it's an e- email. So it's Dear Oliver. And then another beautiful thing that's happened, you know, we have the Olive Outdoors where um, young students that are involved in uh, this environmental uh, outdoor training program. They've been leading us on hikes and everything. Now they've been doing uh, programs for us on Zoom. Oh, cool! And we've learned. And these little eight-year, nine-year-olds, they're sharing their screens. They're pulling information from the internet. They're talking about this. You know, I've learned so much about the red-tailed hawk, which I see, you know, flying over Fullerton. Right. You know, often. Uh, and uh, and it's it's really great and um, and may I just interject though, a sure. wonderful thing about that is the intergenerational aspect of it which we've talked about on this show um, uh, and it's well known that that really helps both sides of the equation you know the younger people develop a, a feeling and an appreciation for older people and their wisdom and and you know, older people love to interact with younger people, or most people do. Oh, definitely. And we're learning from each other. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not into um, plants and bugs and birds and animals, but uh, I'm I'm learning. And I think to the point where uh, I think I'm going to have to take out binoculars and take observe my birds better. Oh. Because, because, you know, my, the red tail, I call them my red tail hawk. The little birds, little sparrow-like birds, they come mm-hmm. and they fight with it and they run. Um, so I learned that that the birds are more successful because they can turn faster and the red-tailed hawk can't turn fast enough. Oh. That's how they can uh, chase them away. And then this young girl, she asked me, okay, what color was the bird? I said, I don't know it was a bird. <laughs> what kind of a bird? You know, then, then the one time we talked about bunnies, and now when I see bunnies, I say, okay, does it have a cotton tail or does it right. not have a cotton tail? You know, so it's 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 really really amazing. Then we've had some cooking demonstrations and uh, and uh, you know some uh, speakers on and few you know very pertinent uh, and relevant topics for uh, for seniors as well. So that's the Wednesday program. And then the Thursday program, we ha- we call it Olive Connect and Create. And that's the opportunity for Olivers to get together 
design projects, work on projects. And that's where the olive masks, face mask project mm. was, uh, was born. And there are a few other projects coming along because part of it is that, you know, seniors do have the time available and they definitely have the depth of knowledge and available. skills and mm-hmm. skill. And, uh, you know, so so that's where that happens. And uh, and one of the. One of our programs, I think it was the last week we were dark because we took a week off. The week right. before, uh, the coordinator asked us to, you know, show our backyards and flowers. The topic oh, what was a great flowers. idea. Yeah, so everybody, you know, took their cell phones and everything. They're going, you know, where's my flower? Do I have a flower? Do I not have right. a, you know, we got to see each other's backyard. So it's it's like. Being together, but not being together. Right. And I think that's why I was shared with you earlier, too, that this uh, this physical distancing does not have to be social distancing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, correct. Uh, and, I, I, go, and, oh, go I just wanted to add something about the maps sure. um, before you go on, because sure. I received two uh, packages with masks. And I want the listeners to know that I have um, given those masks to people who said they needed it. They were so, so, so appreciative. They were thrilled that they had different patterns to choose from. And they, um, so I wanted to convey that, that they really, they really appreciated it. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Phyllis. And the other uh, project that was born for Olive, but it was a long time vision of yours that I think are coming together at the same time. And that is to provide, uh, to use technology to connect seniors. And you have started uh, a GoFundMe page. I encourage and request listeners to please uh, uh, take a look at it. And it's uh, called Senior Connections Matters. Senior, uh, senior, senior connections matter connecting seniors through technology. Right. And people can go to gofundme.com and they can find the page and, and donate. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. It's been a, a, a passion of mine and a, an initiative that I've been thinking about for quite some time. And then when the virus came along, it seemed like, well, this is really the time because people have to connect. I, it, for me, the vision it didn't start with just connecting um, in terms of, um, you know, virtual um, phone conversations, virtual visits, uh, just for the visit's sake. But when I first envisioned it, I don't know if you remember, Rubina, um, but I had actually, I'll, I'll just say a little bit where I, it came sure, from. Well, of course, sure. working in skilled nursing facilities, sure. I've always realized how how people are isolated from their loved ones and it's heartbreaking and it's, it, it's really a terrible thing. And some people have cell phones and they get calls every once in a while, but a lot of people don't. And they have loved ones who live a distance away or that don't live a distance away but just can't get there. But I was on a uh, radio show about a year ago, mm-hmm. and this gal had said that she had a physical impairment, and she couldn't always get to visit her father, who was in a nursing home. So uh, she purchased an iPad and uh, got one for him as well. And when it came to the holidays, uh, she would either ensure that he had the same food she did, or she would send food to him. 
and they would sit at their tables and each have their iPads as if they were having their holiday dinners together. Mm-hmm. And I just was so struck by that and thought it was brilliant and, and more people could really be doing that. So since, since then I really talked about it in a more focused way. And then when the virus uh, happened, obviously, um, visits to facilities, nursing homes and, um, uh, assisted living facilities are banned okay. and, uh, for obvious reasons. And, um, so there was a real need for developing those virtual connections. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I jumped on and supported you fully because Absolutely. I firsthand experienced it because of the pandemic. I'm not able to travel and see my mom. But for the last four weeks, I've been able to have a FaceTime once a week FaceTime call with her. And that is just so, so precious. So we're looking forward to trying to connect as many seniors as we can. And Phyllis will work together to make your dream come true. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, but there's something you just said, which is, uh, you know, I think an important element in this. And it depends how how robust the program, um, you know, becomes. I have great visions. I'm a big vision person too in a way (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know you're the big vision person but I do also have big visions and um, just like what you said you know you get a chance to visit with your mother um, once a week but wouldn't it be and that's probably because the facility may not have sufficient number of devices to enable connections more often so wouldn't it be great if facilities had more so that people yes. could have connections more often and they wouldn't have to schedule it or space it out. And, of course, there'll be ways that people will have to figure that out. But that's the big vision goal. Yeah, th- this is truly, truly a big vision goal. And uh, that's where, you know, organizations like Olive, where we have seniors and where we have volunteers, I'm hoping that once the pandemic is passed, that we will be able to send a volunteer so that it's less burdensome for the staff members Correct. to be able to, you know, I mean, it takes staff time to go from one person to the other to the other. A volunteer could easily go and spend a few hours and uh, and use the iPad and connect the seniors. And I think that would be a great volunteer opportunity as well. Well, the time goes well on. there is also now we had somebody on this show a few weeks ago, right? Um right. And um, where there's there's um, engagement technology that's much more person centered. Uh, I shouldn't say much more is person centered so that it's more than just FaceTime connections with families. And they're very easily easy to access their one touch. It's not like just somebody having a phone and having to search sure. through the Internet, which also has other, uh, you know, security mm-hmm. issues, especially mm-hmm. in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. So, um I have, um, you know, IN2L. It's never too late. It's a, a wonderful um, device. I have come across a couple of others. And so hopefully moving forward, more people will be able to have these devices. Even people with dementia can access these things, even at fairly um, advanced stages, mm-hmm. so that they can be more engaged. Yeah. Um, so it's not only about, you know, virtual visits, it's about personal engagement. Oh, definitely. And, and Phyllis, that's where I think the openness and the, 
and the partnership and the relationship that we have that's bi-coastal, east coast and west coast, you know, and your technical capability and our service organization is is really amazing. And I think we are both and all open to new ideas, new opportunities to see how we can serve serve the seniors. And that that's an amazing space to be in. Absolutely. And since you said that, we had this discussion uh, very briefly when we spoke yesterday. And so I didn't know if, you know, it will come up, but this seems like the perfect time when you say about continuing to collaborate and we're open to ideas that you and I met. Um, it's just about two years ago, uh, this September, I think it was. Yes, just about and two years. Whoever would have thunk it, right? <laughs> Over the blanket. Right. Now, when we said hello at that conference, where yes. where it would go. So I think people need to be open and it's about connect and we connected. So it's about any kind of connection, personal connection, virtual connection. All the places we will go. That's one of your favorite phrases, it's right? All the places we will go. Uh, with that, uh, Phyllis, let's take a break and we'll be back on the other side on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. In the best of times, nursing home residents suffer from isolation and loneliness. Because of COVID-19, senior residents are missing out on connecting with family and friends. You can change this. Video chats help them stay connected with loved ones. You can help to change a nursing home resident's life. Please help us purchase mobile devices so they can stay connected because senior connections matter. Click the banner on the show page or visit GoFundMe.com now and search for Senior Connections Matter. Connecting seniors through technology to make your donation. Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. 
Welcome back, Phyllis and our listeners. We're talking about the current environment and how different organizations and people are meeting the needs of seniors. In our first segment, we talked about Phyllis attending the uh, RCFE program and her lessons learned. And now we have a, a, a licensed residential f- care facility administrator in Phyllis, among all other of her, uh, her designations that she, that she carries. Um, so Phyllis, we ended the last segment by saying that, uh, you know, it, Olive was basically forced to go online because the community centers closed and uh, seniors can't travel. Uh, so we've uh, solidified and, and really are offering good quality programming. So let's talk for a little bit on what the future is going to be. How is this current pandemic, how might this impact the future of senior programming, mm. senior care, uh, everything from the senior centers? When might they open in one shape or form to, you know, large use residential care facilities? So mm. in their whole, whole range. So uh, where would you like to start on this? Well, in, uh, it's interesting that you say about uh, when they open. I think there are discussions that are beginning to happen about how that would look or uh, what procedures would have to be put in place uh, for nursing homes or assisted living facilities to start to open. I don't know about you, but I get emails all the time about local businesses and, and the, uh, the lengths they have to go to and the, um, uh, um, you know, I'd say policies and regulations they have. It's, it's really quite extraordinary, very strict, at least where I am in Connecticut. But I read an article, um, the other day in Forbes magazine. And um, it was the governor of Florida who actually took steps very early to close the nursing homes and, and ban visitation. Uh, he opened the beaches, but the nursing homes, uh, he was right on the money with that. And um, also with PPEs in, in the uh, a lot of the facilities, I believe, as well. And his feeling is that um, he can't see uh, these facilities opening to visitation in the foreseeable future unless the visitor can demonstrate that they've been tested for the virus in their negative. Mm-hmm. I myself went to a facility last week. Um, I went there to oversee a program. I'm overseeing a program in a few buildings, a speech program. And I couldn't go on to any resident units until they ha- – I was there the day that testing took place. That's why I went that day. And mm-hmm. until I receive the results, I cannot go on to any residential unit. Mm-hmm. And how long will it be before you get your result? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, some people say you should be able to look on this website. I, um, I w- this, this facility was in New York State, so you look on uh, this particular lab that's doing the, um, the testing in New York State. Uh-huh. Uh, they said a few days, but I spoke with the director of nurses of that facility, and she said it's three weeks and she doesn't have her results yet, which is... A little uh-huh. alarming. That's a long time. That's alarming. Yeah, that is. Uh, is it because of their backlog or ha- what have? No, don't know. Um, uh-huh. Don't know. But um, that is alarming. Now, as we know, so therefore, testing is going to be vitally important. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was his recommendation. I don't know what the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is going to determine moving forward or whatever right. over, uh, body oversees assisted living facilities, but um, I, I c- can't imagine that there won't be some component of that in the um, in the conversation. Right. Well, and I'm, you know, as you know, on standby waiting to see what uh, the facility where my mom is in Canada in rehab, what they're going to do because they're not allowing any visitors. Another thing in Canada, what they've done, and they may have done here too, but I'm only familiar with that, is they are not allowing staff to work in more than one facility. Right. That's a big one. Uh, They believe that that's uh, here, that that's how the virus um, contributed to the virus spreading because Mm -hmm. so many people people uh, work in different buildings. Right. So they go right. from one to the other to the other, especially nurse aides and mm-hmm. nurses because there's, you know, there's such a need. And mm-hmm. also uh, the fact that people don't, their wages at that level aren't that great. They really need to do that in order to sustain themselves. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, very uncertain, just like everything else. Uh, so coming back to us, what are some of the things that uh, that we should be and we could look at? Because Olive is coming close to our fourth year birthday. Actually, June 6th is oh, coming wow. Saturday. <laughs> yes, Olive will be four years old. Wow. Yes, Happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. And we are coming close to our strategic planning session. So what are some of the things that, uh, from your perspective, that you think we could look at? And then I'll share a couple that I think uh, that uh, that we could uh, we could look at. What are some well, of the things that are standing out for you? Well, you and I have talked about uh, looking into um, some kind of a facility, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, as a possibility, looking towards the future, and um, and I think that. Uh, Moving forward, uh, there may be people, um, I, I know I'm, I'm looking at that, um, that maybe some of these facilities have to um, plan their environments differently. Maybe they shouldn't have so many people in a uh, facility. Uh, I think that may be a consideration moving forward when they see how, you know, the, the problem with infection and spread in a confined space. Um, you know, how that can be devastating. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a consideration that people are going to start to look at. Um, what do yeah. you think? Well, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the design of the facilities and it's going to have impact on the operations. It's going to have impact on budgeting. So this is uh, the whole whole big, uh, big area that's, that's going to have to evolve. Um, you know, I was talking, just to uh, say something else, I was talking with a, uh, a colleague friend uh, a little while ago, a couple of hours ago, and uh, we were talking about the situation with PPE. And I was saying that uh, while we all say, we all know that there were many uh, nursing home facilities and assisted living facilities, but I know the nursing home space, you know, intimately mm-hmm. because that's the space I, I, I'm, I work in. 
that, um, you know, they didn't have PPE and, oh, my God, isn't this terrible? And, um, you know, I've told stories about this and their stories are written all over the country about people having to put, you know, cut garbage bags sure. and use them. It was terrible. Oh, yes, yes. But, but in all fairness, um, in all fairness, a nursing home would not be prepared to have that number of PPE for an entire staff for any length of time. It's it's mm-hmm. ba- it's based on how many people with an infection they estimate they'll have in a building at any particular time and what the burn rate is. Maybe it's a half a dozen. Maybe it's a dozen, depending on how big the facility is. But to have that to- number, you know, across mm-hmm. every shift, every day, for weeks That's on end... Lot. So the interesting when you're talking about um, design, a lot of these facilities don't have the space to store those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is is uh, the design is going to become important if if there are going to be requirements for certain backup um, um, materials, whether it's PPE or other things. I mean, there has to be a place where these things can be kept and and readily accessible. Mm-hmm. And on the uh, on the program side, you know, it's it's really very important that we keep the seniors engaged. And as our experience has been, you know, they are calling in. They need some uh, help to get online. And sometimes their family members are helping them. And we're just beginning to think, uh, how can we expand our offerings? You know, mm. Do we offer it more times? You know, we're offering one at 11 o'clock, maybe one we offer late in the afternoon. Or should we look at offering in different languages? Oh. And, you know, so that uh, seniors from different ethnic communities can come. And uh, we've had uh, anywhere from 12, 15 to 18, 20 people coming. And that's a good size group. Uh, and uh, our instructor who was doing the Tai Chi and the balance class He's now started online classes as well, and his attendance is about same 10, 12, 15. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of observing. In the middle of it, I'll go and see, you know, how many people are attending, how many people are attending. So it could come to where we create these small communities around a one-hour Zoom mm-hmm. program, and it may have 20, 25, 30 people in that group. That They kind of become friends. Right. And of those, you have 12, 15, 20 that show up for a conversation. So I think there are, there are different iterations and it definitely does make it more, uh, more convenient to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to reach. It's easy to deliver because you, you know, here in California, we have long drives. Right. You know, wherever you go. Uh, so we are going to be putting our heads together and, uh, and seeing how how we can expand our offerings and uh, engage more people. Mm -hmm. Because now that one variable of transportation has been lifted. Right. They don't need a ride. And it's no excuse that I can't drive there. I can't get there. Uh, One of... 
Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to, but I just had a thought, which is, um, is, let's say if you had, um, I don't know if this is feasible or if it would be, you know, a lot of work or if there would be, let's say, two groups of people that, that did these, um, Zoom calls, uh, to have different times in a day, like you said. So let's say people couldn't do the 11 to 12, but maybe they could do four to five. I, I, just something that came to my head. Yeah, no, that's what we're looking at. That as well as uh, different languages. Mm. You know, we could be offering Spanish, we could be offering Arabic, we could be offering any of the languages that, you know, a group of people, uh, you know, Persian, uh, Farsi, uh, you know, there uh, could Urdu, be a lot of Italian, well, there Italian, could be Italian, Chinese, French, I mean, you know? a, yeah, an Asian language, I mean, there are so many. Exactly. You know, we really need one coordinator who is fluent in that language who can lead the program. And, uh, you know, we're ready to go because we now have the format and the structure mm-hmm. uh, and experience in having having delivered it. What about uh, uh, expanding the length of time? Is that a possibility? That's also a possibility. Mm-hmm. And we will also be experimenting. And some of the programs are going longer, hour and a half. Right. Uh, but last month was our first month, so we limited it to uh, to one hour. And the other thing is, you know, we don't know when senior centers are going to open. Mm-hmm. And and the other one thing I'm thinking is that we need to lean towards creating more outdoor programming, perhaps right. in parks, so that when mobility does begin, people can come together, but they're outdoors. They're in open environment versus in a enclosed environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are some of the things, you know, plus the, the tablets and the communication and connections and uh, and creating lots of projects. Hey, um, you may have line of projects, the products that uh, we can sell online that are Olive branded. Oh, that would be terrific. I love those terrariums that we had that yes. um, I got when I was at the um, when I was the moderator of the panel. Uh, those oh, were beautiful. We have uh, patterns of aprons and you name it. It's coming. We are connecting and creating. And and I have one other thought before we uh, leave um, for the end of the show, which is even when um, things open up, hopefully that will happen sooner than later, there may still be people who can still participate online even though they can't get to a place. So you may have a combination, just like they're talking they about in schools, some yeah. children being virtual and some people being in the classroom. Good point. We will we will definitely continue both. And with that, Phyllis, thank you very much uh, for being my partner in this and inviting me to join you. And we will return next week at the same time on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Okay. Have a good week, Rubina. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.